Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Podcast. We are in season three and reflecting on the topic, what Jesus wants most from his church. Each week we'll be looking at the passages in the letter to the Ephesians to see how God answered Jesus's priestly prayers found in John 17. So enjoy this time in hearing the preaching of God's word and may you be encouraged in the great hope you have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, good morning. Hi, that was average. Good morning. I like that better. It's good to be together, right? Uh, tell you this, coming and being with you is not weather dependent for me. It just doesn't matter. It's just good to be together. So I um, love what God's doing amongst us. We sang some pretty powerful truths today. So I'm going to invite you to this. I'm going to get this a fair warning. You probably need a pen today. Um, these scriptures, it's immense. You're going to need your Bibles open. I gave some things for projection. I didn't give it all. So there's some things that you're going to want to see yourself. Um, I, I will try to talk slowly, though you understand it's difficult for me. Uh, one of my teachers in, uh, in Bible college, they'd say, if you dropped your pen, you might as well drop the class because he <laughs> would cover so much information all the time. I hope it's not that way today, but I've... This whole series we've been going through, um, this is the first time I get to preach one. This is week four, but I've been reading along, talking with Mike and Rob and Joe about this. It, to me, it's, it's pretty astounding. So here's what we're doing simply, but it's not simple. We're taking Jesus' prayer, John 17, what he prays for. By the way, do you think God answers Jesus' prayers? Okay. Some of us, we wonder about ours, you know, but like, not what we know, okay? John said, when you read it, it's it's. It's wonderful. So we take that and then bring it over. As he's praying essentially, I'm going to use the word oneness, not unity. I think it's a, there's a, oneness is a little more full-orbed. Um, so he speaks, prays for oneness. And then we bring it over to Ephesians where that's kind of unpacked to a, to a specific local church, but written down and preserved for all the churches. But it talks about this same oneness in a lot of ways. So, so we're doing that. In that way, when you talk about the whole book of Ephesians or the whole John 17, it's a lot of material. So we've tried to walk through it with different themes along the way. Um, and today, I'll, I'll say this phrase a couple of different ways, but Christ's purchase makes us one with him and one another. That's probably the central thing, but there's a number. So just so I, to explain terms, when I say Christ's purchase, so what, what's that mean? So here's how we understand the cross and what takes place. When a person comes to faith in Christ, that is, I believe this is true, and I, I, I repent, or I'm turning from my life to him completely, trusting him. So sometimes we call it faith and repentance. There's something that takes place. A person, that's an act of God. That's being born again. But what takes place here is a transaction. So it's not only the forgiveness of sin, it's not, uh, it's, truncated to call it a ticket to heaven, though that is your final destiny because you are forgiven. You also belong to him. So the word redemption, it's a biblical word. We use it sometimes when you redeem a coupon. It's he purchased us in that. So when I say purchase, it's all that took place there. And because of what he did at the cross, that makes us one with God and one with one another. That's a sermon. But go, go explain that. So we're going to try to think about that 
uh, through various scriptures here today. Um, and so I guess, I guess we, we titled it, the whole theme of the saying, what's Jesus' desire for the church? And so it's an aspect of oneness. Now let me, yeah. Just <clears throat> the church all over, but particularly in the U.S., has been stressed in the last couple of years. And um, the stresses were already there, but the pandemic um, made us shine the light on it. And so that's, I, God's doing some really good things. Um, it's painful. Um, it's uh, growing pains. It's purifying. It's cleansing. All those things are difficult. And for all of us, there's some, uh, we need to look at ourselves. I do. I, I'll actually, when we get to the end, I'm going to share a, an embarrassing real story of just the last couple of weeks and how the Lord convicted me of some stuff. So just so you know, I'm not preaching hypothetically. This is the word that God brings. I need this. We need this. So themes. Last week, Pastor Rob and Mike, really that main theme was our spirit, that Christians are in spiritual union with Christ. Now that's, that's it's very hard to get our, our minds around that. We're going to review that just a little bit in John 17. But today it's really about Christ's work on the cross, how it makes us the church one. So that's it. Christ's purchase makes us one with him and one another. Just think about that phrase for a moment. What are the implications of that? If that's true, then what does that mean for a relationship with God? What does that mean for a relationship with others? Now, it's true as we're going to walk through these scriptures. Very true. And if Jesus prayed it, God, you know, it's happened. So I call it, if you've ever, you ever been around, um, a re, uh, we'll call it a reality that is ignored. I think this could be a reality that's ignored. So let's say, um, let's say you walked out of here and I gave you $5 million, which I'm not going to do. But let's just say, how many of you would be okay with that? I'd be okay with having $5 million, okay? Okay, only a couple of you were honest. It's kind of interesting. So I got to, anyway, no, I won't say what I thought. <clears throat> okay. Five million bucks, I'd, I'd be okay with that. Let's say that's actually true. You got it. You had it. But you act like you got five bucks. That's all you got in your bank account, five bucks. You like, you're trying to get a nickel out of every inch of everything, because you act like you're living like you're five bucks, but actually you got, it's, you're not going to spend that. Five. It's a reality that's ignored. I think this hundred times more, it's a reality that's ignored. I don't think we can get our minds around it, but it's very true. Jesus prayed it. It's exhorted in, in Ephesians. It talks about what all that Christ accomplished in the first three chapters of Ephesians, and I don't think I get it fully, or we do, but that's what we're walking through today, that. So I want to demonstrate in these two places. We're going to turn to John 17, 20 to 24. I'm going to read that in just a moment, and then we're going to be in the Ephesians 2 section. So uh, as you turn, let's, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we're asking your help right now. Thank you that you hear all our prayers, all of them. Even, even things that aren't fully articulated in our minds. Thank you that to your people you've given us the Holy Spirit because we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit knows our weakness and intercedes for us with, the, with groanings that are greater than words can express, Lord. You've given us so much. So, Lord, right now in these moments, we, we pray that you'd open our minds and hearts to you. We'd receive from you as you intend. You're a good Father. Your word is powerful. Your spirit's active. You're present here. So do your work in us, we pray, things that we don't even know 
to ask for or how to ask. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I kind of wrote this down as three points. And the first one from John 17 is this. Our oneness with God and one another demonstrates the Father's love. So, Em, are you on, are you on projection? Evie, who's doing it actually? Okay, so I might, I might not have been clear on what I gave you. Just follow as best you can and we'll, we'll get there. So, I'm at, so whatever I gave you, project that. I might read further. So I'm going to pick up the reading in 20. Go ahead and put 21 up there. Oh, you got it all. Look at that. You're great. Oh, Okay. So when I sent, when I sent um, scriptures, sometimes I underlined a word or put a word in caps. Did you do that in any places? Just to give a yes or no, it doesn't matter. They're looking down, not answering me. Okay, never mind, that means a no. Okay, so what I, what I typically, I, think I gave them no instructions. I am the hardest guy to follow. So there's particular words I want you to notice. So they just put the scripture up there. That's a win, guys. Thank you, you got the right scripture. I was not clear. Oh, look at that. You fi- do you know how long that would take me to do? Thank you. Okay. That's what I want to. So sometimes I, I, I underline a word just so you see it when, you're, when I'm reading it. If that's your first time reading it, it goes so fast. But this way you can see a particular word I want to draw your attention to. You might write that down in your notes. But you guys, in a sermon, I think things go so fast. You want to go back and think about it later tonight, tomorrow. Use, use your notes for your own worship as you begin the week. If the Lord's speaking now, I probably haven't heard it loud enough by the time I leave here. I, I need to think about it some more. So let me just encourage you that way. All right, enough said. That's okay. Thank you, guys. Maybe, yeah, all right, just read, Jeff, okay. Uh, verse 20, I do not, this, okay, this is Jesus' prayer for his disciples and the church. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. It's not just my disciples. It's the ones later. That's us. The church historical. Jesus is praying this, and here's what it is. That they may all be one just as, if you got your Bibles, circle that word, as. Circle it. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Go ahead and just leave that up for a while. There's at least three mysteries there I want to think about. How oneness, how is it one? What does Jesus mean by that? That they all may be one. Is he, does that mean like, oh, pray that they agree in everything? Pfft, that surely didn't happen in the, in the book of Acts, did it? Or uh, actually, I think the end of this book, you got Jesus telling Peter how he's going to die, and he goes, what about that guy over there? And the Lord says to him, hey, I got a calling for you. He's got a calling for you. If I want him to live forever, that's fine, which he's not. But we, there's not a, it's not agreement and everything. If you look at the book of Acts, the church had some things they're trying to figure out to clarify the gospel. They came to a oneness. God, God led them by the Holy Spirit. But what's that oneness mean? That they may be one. It's certainly not agreement and everything, but there's a, what's one? Or how about this one? They be one, just as you, Father, and me, and I, and you. How? The Father's in Christ, and Christ Jesus is in the Father, is in him? What's that? So he's talking about a Trinitarian oneness. How's the Father and the Son, the Father? 
If you, Mike preached last week, if you've seen the Father, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said to Philip. How is it? There's a Trinitarian oneness that's hard to get our mind. Okay, but we, we talk about the Trinity sometimes, but how about this one? This one, I, I, this one even, this blows me away. That they may also be in us. How are we in him? Okay, I don't get the Trinity, but I can kind of get a little bit, theoretically, Jesus and the Father, Father's and Jesus, but how are we in him? What are we supposed to do with that? This is what Jesus is praying. Do you think the Father hears that? Okay. Let's go on. The, I mean, verses 22 and 23, he, he repeats this, but he adds something. This is 22. Of the glory that you have given me, Father, I've given to them that they may be one even as, got your Bible? Circle that word as again. Even as we are one, I in them, you in me, there it is, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and you love them even as, circle that one again, that you loved them even as you loved me. You see it? here Again, here's this one like the, the Trinity. It's, it's a mystery. Jesus is praying it, but friends, it's true. What are you supposed to do with that? How do you explain that? What are you supposed to do with it? You know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to take it in and just wonder, how is this so? What do you do with the Grand Canyon? What do you do with the Yosemite Valley? What do you do with that sunset out on that, that coast that we have out there? Explain it. I take it in. It's true. It's a reality that I think we can easily ignore. But Jesus has repeated this. So I think this is worth thinking about. But, but notice this part here, this, that second as in this sentence here. The so that here goes a little farther. So the world will know that, that you love them like you love me. That is, the Father loves us, loves his children, like he loves Jesus. Is that crazy or is that crazy? Hang on. The Father loves the brother, sister sitting next to you or on the, across the room just like he loves Jesus. Is that crazy? I, I think he loves me, but I don't know about that other guy across the room. That's crazy. And that's exactly what he says. So I got to tell you this. Sometimes we, what we're trying to understand here, there's a little word here. I had you underline it. It really helps me understand how Christ's purchase makes us one with God and one another. It's what, what, what's the word? It's a little word. It's as. It, it helps me understand that. So sometimes we go like, you should put that on a t-shirt, you know, to make me remember. So I did. <laughs> this is, no, that's right. I, I was, this is compliments to Joel, actually, when we were talking staffing. I put this on here for a couple hours because that word helps me grasp this. Now, we're not done yet because we're going to come up later on. Now, I'm going to show you this one. You don't have to show the photo. But I put some scriptures on the back later that we're going to look at, okay? We do this with our baptism t-shirts sometimes. We go ask me about, we put the date, and on the back it says about baptism. So you're walking down, you know, so I'm, I'm hiking down a trail. Someone goes like, what in the world is that, you know? Huh? Maybe it'll be a conversation. But I did it mostly for me. This word as helps me get this concept. 
That's why I had you circle it, and we're not done. There's a lot of places to think through this and see this. And it's to help me grasp what's being said here. Because that word as connects the Father's love, how he loves here, with this, he, lo- he loves the brothers and sisters in this room like he loves Jesus. How can that be so? That's exactly what Jesus is saying. All right. That could be the sermon, right? Okay, we're going on. Ephesians 2. Go to uh, Ephesians 2. What I want to look at now is how the cross accomplished our oneness. So this is, this is one place where this is being expounded. So Jesus prayed this. I mean, Jesus praying it, God's doing it. But now in the book of Ephesians, he's writing this to the church. So what I um, just want to give a quick background. You, you know, the con- we preached through Ephesians a couple years ago. Here's the background. When there's a letter written to a church, there's always an occasion. So the particular occasion was there's Jew and Gentile, and for all their lives, for centuries, they lived in animosity. A Jew would not speak to a Gentile, couldn't touch them. They were unclean. This is how you grew up centuries old. It just was. But in the gospel, Jesus did something very different when he came came to seek and save the lost, all the lost, to give his life as a ransom for many. So he, he taught his disciples this gospel. So as the, as the church began, Jews and Gentiles were coming to faith in Jesus, seeing Jesus as Savior, believing, repenting, turning their lives to him, following him, but they had very different backgrounds, and they had been taught for centuries to oppose one another. Those differences don't go away just as, I mean, like that. They're embedded deeply. So their conflicts, how they were made as people, was way deeper than how we worry about masks or vaccines or politics or justice. Way deeper. Hundreds of times deeper. And and he says something very strong to the church. So here's the flow of the book, basically. The first three chapters of Ephesians basically so here's all that God has accomplished in Christ, and it's beautiful. Here's what he has accomplished. It's already done. From chapter 4 on, it's basically, here's what he's done, so live it. Jesus did it. Go live it out. You're free. Jesus did it. It's accomplished. You, go live it out. That's basically it. We'll, we'll, we'll walk through some of this. So I'm going to read here slowly uh, 2, 11 to 12. It'll, I'll do it just in the sections like I gave you guys, okay? Um, but I, what I want you to do is watch the progression of how Christ makes us one. These are real things, so I wanted to slow it down and, and do it kind of phrase by phrase. So I'm going to read just 11 and 12 for, first, and, and hear what he's speaking of. Here's what you used to be like, and, and here's what you are now. This, this is your past, verse 12. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by the flesh by hands. Okay, you're the un-group. Remember that. You were the uns. By the guy, you're the outs by the guys that were in. That's what he says. Remember that you were at that time, look at the words, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of of promise, having no hope 
and without God in the world. That was, remember that? Strangers, aliens, no hope without God. You're the uns. Remember that? That's what you were. Verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. That's what you used to be like. Now you're this. So he's going to speak now of the work of Christ. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to go 13 through 19. So did you get the ones that I gave you? Is that the way I gave them? Can, how do you, okay. We'll just figure it out, I guess. Okay, here's what I did. So I'm going to go through it twice. The first thing, I'm underlying certain words because what I want you to see, that's not the right one. Did, you, did they all meld together? Can you do the one that... Yeah, so I had them like, like in a line. I know I'm make it super. When I don't give you instructions, how can you figure out what's going on in my mind, huh? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Got an amen for my wife for you guys who are online that didn't hear that one. Okay. Yep, you gotta see how bad it really is at home. Okay. Hey, I guess I gotta say that we we laugh at ourselves a lot more than we used to, and we better. You know, we are so different, but we're one in Jesus, and I mean that. You guys that know her and know me, we are so different. But the oneness is good, and don't take yourself too serious. You should laugh at ourselves. All right, I think that's it. We'll just do it. What I tried to do is um, I wanted to go through this twice, and I, want, I wanted to notice different words. So the first ones I want to notice the who and the how. Who did this and how did he do it? And then I'm going to go to what he did. So I'm looking at the same passages. So it's the words I got underlined. Um, so I think the way I'm going to, I was going to read it. Okay, yeah. So we've been, been brought near, how? By the blood of Christ. By the blood of Christ. That's who did it. Jesus did it. For he himself is our peace. Who? He is. He did it. It's himself is our peace. He made us both one <laughs> in his flesh breaking down the dividing wall of hostility. It's in his flesh that this has been done, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And he reconciled us both to God, how? In one body, in him, through the cross, killing hostility. Through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So I didn't project it as well as I wanted. I wanted you to see all those things lined up because every time it's in Christ, somehow, it's not just saying how he did it, but it is, it's by his blood, but it's in him, in his flesh, in himself, one new man. It's through him, in one body, by one spirit. Friends, Jesus did it. All of this is accomplished by Christ. Let me say that again because you were too quiet. Jesus has actually already done it. All of this has been accomplished by Christ. Amen? All right. It's like, it's done. That's astounding. But it's in him. Okay, what did he do? Let's go back and look through it again. What did he do? He brought us near by the blood of cross. We were far away. He brought us near. Okay? Basically, what he's saying is, you were orphans. You had no home. You were streaking. He took you and brought you near. He brought you to God. You were alienated from. He brought us near. He himself is our peace. Notice what he doesn't say. He'd say, Jesus gave you peace. Jesus can show you how to have peace of mind. Nope, he is our peace. That's what he says. Jesus is. 
I'm sorry, what are you looking for for peace? Enough money in your bank account? Uh, good enough health that I won't get sick? That's, that's what you're looking for for peace? No, no, no. Paul's in prison, friends. He's in jail. Jesus is his peace. This is in him. It's a reality. I think we, we walk by it like furniture in the, in the room. He is our, our peace. He made us both one, this Jew and Gentile, but all, he made us both one in his flesh and he broke down the dividing wall of hostility so that he might create, create, make brand new, create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace. These two, the rods, he made one new man. So those of you that are following, that is in a marriage analogy which he picks up in, in chapter five. The two, they're two, they're one new man. Reconciling us both to God in one body through the rest, killing hostility. Friends, hostility, it's dead. It has no power. That's what he's saying. In Christ, no power. Through him, we both have access to one spirit and the Father. And he goes on to so say, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of God's household. You are God's family. All of this, friends, is in him. He did it at the cross when we're, bapt we're baptized into Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that glorious? That's what he did. Hey, where's God? Where's God? Sometimes we answer, we go, man, he's everywhere. Yep, he's everywhere. And? He is right here. He is right here. Look at these next verses, 20 to 22, because that's what he's saying. All these things he's accomplished. Watch the work that he's doing right now. Uh, 19, so you're no longer strangers, aliens, fellow citizens, members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So he, what he's doing, he's, he's talking about God's people. He's using it a building analogy, okay? Jesus, the cornerstone, the apostles, prophets, or foundation, um, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And I would say verse 22 might be a good one to memorize because this is what he's saying. It's in him you also are being built into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Let that sink in. This is the work he's doing right now, still 21st century, in the church. In, in you. He's, he's building his people together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. We should do a class on this one. You, you, you got to take that word dwelling place and see what it's like in the garden when God wanted to dwell with them. What it was like when he finally brings in the, the tabernacle and comes down for all these years of not being there. What it is in Christ incarnate who took on flesh and made his dwelling among us, who goes to heaven, sends his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's in his church making us a dwelling place for God to revelation where it speaks of us dwelling with him. It, it's, it's pretty astounding. We, anyway, my mind could go all over the place. 
But that's what God's doing right here. Right here. Is that a reality that, that we know, that we experience? He's everywhere, but he's specifically here. So think about that for a moment and wonder at it. Let's not ignore it. It's a real danger in the 21st century American church. Just is. My wife is the most unconsumer-like consumer I know. Do you know I can't buy her a gift that's on sale? True? No, it's my turn. I got the mic. True? <laughs> it's, it's, real, okay. it's really hard to buy you a gift that's on sale. You would prefer a gift that is, what's that? Free. She's weird. Okay, Lori, is this true? She like, there's greater value for her for something that's free or greater value for something that was used already. She's always been this way. I don't know, it's, she's the hardest person to buy gifts for. I don't know what it is. She's recycled stuff since before anybody thought it was an okay thing to do. I like food. Like, I remember when I'm dating, it's like, her mom goes like, hey, there's a, a plastic milk jug. It's full of food scraps. I almost said a worse word. Junk that goes in the garden. She, can you take this out to the garden? I'm like, and it was like way out, like 100 yards. I take this smelly stuff out there. It composted forever. She, okay, get it. She's the most unconsumer-like consumer there is, but she's still a consumer, and so am I, and so are you. We ought not be that way about the church. We ought not think that way about the church, but we do. Because we live in 21st century America. We come into it, we have this whole thing of, what am I getting here? That's consumer. Can I just say to you, that is not how the New Testament church thought. It just, it just isn't. Why do I say that about her? Because she's so unlike that, but we still are like that. We all are like that. And that's a part that I think we have to acknowledge and even confess to the Lord when we come into the gathering. We want to be looking for him. The phrase that uh, Mike used last week was with Jesus and Philip. And when, when Philip says to Jesus, um, Jesus, show us the Father. It'll be enough for, for us. And Jesus is like, I've been with you for three years. And, and part of the exhortation was, do I, do I see Jesus, my brothers and sisters? Because that's what he's saying right here. And I, my default, I don't have to think it. It's consumer. It just is. And that's not what the church is to be. I want these realities be realities that I'm, I'm gripped by. That he's making us into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. He's, he's, this is what he's doing. How would that change my Sunday morning? How would that change how I'd prepare for, the, for this kind of a gathering? Would I be preparing myself to meet God or to see God in a brother or sister? Or what might, what might, how might the spirit move me to minister to somebody in this gathering? Or not just a gathering during the week too. But this is one place where we come together from lots of different homes and that. It's a real challenge for us. It's, I, I struggle with this. I do. I mean, can I just say this honestly? There's things that I wish we were that we, we aren't. But I know I'm called here. Oh, let me say this. There are things in my fa- I love my family. I got six kids. They're crazy. I, there's things in my, my family I wish we were that we aren't. We belong to each other. That's, that's the spiritual fa- members of God's household. 
That, that's so. What, what's my call? It's to participate, to move where God wants me to move. I see this thing. How, I want to be asking God, how do I move that way? How does this happen? If, if he's done this, as Jesus prays, as we're taught here. So what are the implications of Christ making us one? Huh. That's good to talk about around your tables or in your small groups. Um, chapters 4 through 6 basically says, okay, he's done this. Now go live it. And that, we're going to deal more with that next week. Um, so I just say to you, um, read through chapters 4, 5, and 6 next week. Think about it, journal about it, whatever, because that's like the, okay, how, how do we live this out? There's a lot of specific things right there. But what I want to do is I want to at least lean into that. How do we, how do we live in, in oneness? So I'm going to read uh, just the first three verses of chapter 4, talk about a couple things, and we'll, we'll close here. So I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So this third point I'm simply calling being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's verse 3. Okay. But notice in verse 1, he says, this is your calling. The calling to which you've been called. Now, I want to, looking at that, I want to look at just three words in there to think about. Eager. What's it mean to be eager? If I'm, if I'm eager to do something, you don't have to, like, make me do it. So I don't know if you remember being a kid, or you are a kid, and um, uh, your parents gave you a chore to do. Hey, Jeff, would you go... And you're like, you know, you pretend like you don't hear them or like you're really busy all of a sudden or like you can't ignore that. You're like, you go do it. But, all right, dad. You know, you're just like, that's, that's not eagerness, right? Okay. Eager's like, whatever the thing is, you jump at it. You're, you're ready to do it. No one even has to tell you to do it. You're eager to do it. You don't even know you're doing it. You're so eager to do it. That's eager. Eager's like, you're in. Whether they ask you to do it or not. Eager... So it's an interesting word. I mean, he could have just said it. Why, why did he put the word eager in there? Why didn't he just say maintain the unity of the Spirit? No, he says, be eager to do it. There's a passion behind this. It's to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now think about the word maintain. Again, when you read through the first three chapters, it's amazing all the things that Christ has already done. And so we did that little section in chapter 2 where Christ has made us one. In, in, one he, he's done it. Why does he say be eager to maintain it? Well, it, re, it requires something of us. Think of what to maintain something is, or maintenance. So I'm super unmechanical, so Bob could probably do this, but I can't. Bob, can you build a car from scratch? Did you, did you work for an auto manufacturer at one time in your life? You did. Can you build a car from scratch? You. You can't? Oh, I thought if anybody could hear, you could. Okay, all right, okay. Well, this works then if Bob can't do it. I can't do it, okay? So here's the deal. Jesus built the car. I can't build a car. I can maintain it. I can drive down to the quick loop and, you know, get the oil done and the tires. I can go get the tires. Or he can leave it alone and drive it and never change the oil, never care about the tires, and the thing's going to fall apart. 
Jesus has done it already. Be eager to maintain it. So we've got to start with the first part and lean on the first part. This is what he said. Just be eager to maintain it. It's the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I didn't build it. He did. That's where I want to go. How does that happen? Now, um, it's not a trick question. I'm not projecting it up here. Before chapter 4, what immediately precedes it? You've got to look in your Bibles. How does chapter 3 end? What is it? Someone say it. I'll wait for an answer. I'll wait for the right answer, I should say. What, what happens at the end of chapter 3? What is it? Awkward silence. You got it. What's the end of chapter 3? Didn't know I was going to make you pull your Bibles out. Start by verse 14. What's going on there? What is it? It's a prayer, right? So follow this. You got a strong exhortation, you got a calling, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. But right before that, he's praying. What's he praying? He's praying basically, church, I'm praying that you'd be able to grasp how much you're loved by Jesus. Grasp the depths, the width. It's so much bigger than your minds can grab. We, we know this prayer. We've, I'm praying that you can, you can grasp that. And the end of it, then he says, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or imagine. How many of you have ever quoted that? How many of us have quoted it in its context? What's he talking about? I want you to be gripped by how much you're loved by Jesus. And you don't even know what he can do for you. He can do more than you can imagine. So you can, you can be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. You can. That is a Spirit-empowered prayer for what Jesus has already accomplished. Gripped by his love. When we grasp how much we're loved by him, we can walk in that. And that he loves the brothers and sisters in the same kind of way. That's huge, isn't it? It's huge. This, friends, walking in, this, walking in step with the Spirit this way, in doing so, it accomplishes real worship for us, a joy in God and His glory. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus prays. Our part is just follow Him in obedience and faith. Be eager to maintain it. Verse 2, I skipped. He says you do it with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. That's not very complicated, is it? It's just hard. Why did he write it? Because that church needed it and we needed it. So I just say, take some time and ask the Lord about yourself and where it is and where it isn't. All right, now my embarrassing story. So about once a month our men gather, and we did a week ago, week ago yesterday. Uh, usually you do it on the Sawyer campus. We call it TM4L, Training Men for Life. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. We do it at 7 in the morning because most families are sleeping. We just got to get the dad's butts out of bed. Oops, I said that word. Uh, out of bed and uh, there. So we go like, we pick 7 because it's not family time. It's early. It's an investment. We only do it like 8 times a year. Last week was on confession. One of the things I appreciate about Pastor Rob, and he did this in, in his 9 o'clock class, he was teaching us on, on how to pray scripture. He had us actually do it. So last week on Saturday, it was about confession. It wasn't hypothetical. He didn't just teach on it. We did teach, we did discuss, and then he had us do it. I hate that. How did he have us do it? Just gave us about 10 minutes to be with the Lord. Here's some paper. He said, uh, hey, just as we talk through it, just you know, write down what God has for you. 
And then here you can shred it over here. Here's mine. I didn't shred it. Why did I not shred it? It's 10 minutes. That's all it was. Create some space for God. We've been studying his word together. And the Lord spoke to me about some things that I needed to think about more. So I'm not going to read it to you. But I'm going to tell you generically about a situation that God fingered in my life. And it's, it's someone that you don't know. But I'd been that week in a training someplace. And there's a guy that was doing something. I'm going, we are just missing it here. You don't have, and I was like, the session I thought was just going poorly. And uh, it resolved itself a couple days later. But it's interesting, on Saturday... I wasn't, what do I need to confess, you know? I just got the time, and the Holy Spirit just fingered. Why were you so bothered by that? Maybe think about it a lot of ways. Why was I so stirred up? Because it wasn't really a matter about being right or wrong. This wasn't a doctrinal issue. I was really stirred up by it. This is days later. Wasn't even that much aware of it. Just created that time for the Lord to speak. He did. You know what happened? I was studying these scriptures too. Oh no, I wasn't. I maybe was. Yeah, a little bit. I was. I was early. John seventeen, twenty three. That 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 as came to me. Jesus loves that guy. Like he loves the Father loves that guy. Like uh, like the Father loves the Son. Do you have do you have the picture? This is the back side of the shirt. John 17, 23, is that? John 13, 34, right before that, Jesus says this. It's his last conversation with his disciples. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another because those other guys are really great. Nope. That you love one another. What's the word? As. As I've loved you. So you must love one another. Ephesians 4.32, which I didn't read. We may read it next week. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, because they deserve forgiveness. No. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. As helps, helps it make sense to me. Rocco, can you come up here a second? I didn't tell him I'm doing this. Oh, I'm standing on this one, so I'm... Oh. I'm going to be taller than you for just a second. Let's say we got some issue going on here. See, the problem is, if I make this about Rocco, you know what I miss? I can't see that cross. I got this going on right here, and whatever it is right here, it's all I see. I'm not loving this man like Jesus loves this man. I'm not forgiving this man like I've been forgiven in Christ. I got, I got him in view. I can't see the cross. Thank you. That's enough. You get that? The as helps me see it. The as helps me see what God has done in Christ. I, read, it, read it through in Ephesians and look where that is. Our problem is we look at the human person. We get sinned against, absolutely. I'm not saying, I'm not saying if there was a deal there, we shouldn't talk about it and be gracious with humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another. That's all verse 2. But if that's all I see, I won't do it. 
And that moment, I forgot the reality. I've ignored the reality of who I am in Christ and what he's done. And the abs helps me see it. That's why I put it on a t-shirt. That's the word. It's a little word. But I'll tell you what that word does. That as helps me, it keeps Christ's sacrificial love in the forefront of my mind. You can put that up there. We need to keep Christ's sacrificial love for us in the forefront of our minds. And as does that. Just notice it in Scripture. You'll see it again and again. And by the Holy Spirit, it'll, it'll confront us where we need to be confronted. And it will be, if we let it, the Holy Spirit will make us more like Jesus. Don't you want to live and think more like Jesus? Don't you want to walk and step with the Father more like Jesus? Or do you want to be like everybody else out there in the world that's just, aren't we tired of that? I need God's Spirit to work inside me. He does. He has. Jesus has accomplished it. I just got to follow in faith. He's done it there. All right, so how do we conclude? Simply two things. First one's wonder. Let's wonder at the reality that the cross makes us one with God and with one another. That Jesus' sacrificial love makes us one with God and with one another. That Jesus' purchase of us makes us one with God and one another. Let's just wonder at that. And that we're in Christ. And then, let's lean into our calling. It's a calling. To live it out with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. Let's be, let's be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. During the week. And when we gather for the glory of Jesus. Next week, we'll talk about more implications. Let's pray. Father, I just pray you'd embed this in our lives. I pray you'd embed it in my life. I don't know if I've grasped 10% of what we've been through in your word here. I want it to be true in me. I want it to be true in the instant. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your Holy Spirit last Saturday morning. We take 10 minutes aside. I thank you for that brother who's dear to me. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is active and working. Lord, I pray that you'd bring encouragement and conviction to everybody here. We too often want to show that we're right, that we're good, that we're perfect. We're not, this is not a works righteousness, Lord. We all need you. We need your Spirit's work. So where confession needs to be with you, let it be. Because Jesus has forgiven us our sins. That should be a freedom. But let the change happen then in seeking you, Lord. Let me lay down where I think I'm right when it doesn't matter, really. And would you put Jesus in the forefront, his sacrificial love in the forefront, I pray, Lord, so that the world will know that Jesus is alive and well, so that the world will know that the gospel is true, so the world will know that King Jesus reigns and he's building his kingdom and he's doing it right here in New Buffalo. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at 
www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope.